I want to talk to you tonight just for a few moments about the blessings, but now the, the, the necessities of a soul-winning church. Next month in November, we start on prayer, commitment to prayer. Our first prayer meeting is going to be on Wednesday night. We're going to have a, our midweek service is going to be a prayer meeting. And we've got later on this month, Brother Tom Williams will be with us right before Thanksgiving. He's going to preach all Sunday on prayer. Next week, of course, our Veterans Sunday. And that will be a little bit uh, deviated from that theme in order to try to get the gospel to people and to be reminded about the sacrifice of freedom. But we want to talk about prayer. I'm going to try to encourage you to get to a prayer meeting. Because I believe that, that the Bible majors, over 600 times in the Bible, prayer is mentioned. More than preaching. <laughs> Uh, more than many other topics. And yet it's a, it's a weakness that I have. I've, I was in my office this morning confessing my prayerlessness to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, goodness, I get so busy and I do this and I do that and I oftentimes fail to spend that necessary, necessary, excuse me, necessary time in prayer with you. And as a church, I think it's very easy to just get away from prayer. But prayer is that thing that fuels the work of God. In a very real way. I want teenagers to pray, and I believe God wants teenagers to learn to pray. Uh, Brother Johnny Pope oftentimes says, he says, I've met many preachers in my lifetime, many of which who have gone on to serve God a whole lifetime, and a few of which who have fallen into sin. And I've seen great, talented preachers, pulpiteers, fall into sin. Because I found some folks who were very organized and great builders and could build a church and organize and strategize and, and really kind of oversee things very effectively. And, and uh, he said, I've seen them fall. He said, but I've yet to see, in his opinion, a man of prayer, a man of real prayer to fall into sin. Of course, Jesus said, watch and pray that you are not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And prayer is something your flesh will not remind you to do. And it's a challenge for us. And even the best of us, I think it's something we, that we, we struggle with. And sometimes even in our 10-minute prayer time or 8-minute prayer time, for some of us it feels like it's 30 minutes. Like how long is this going to go? And we can listen to preaching for 25, 30, 40, 50 minutes and, 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 and enjoy it. We can hear a song two times. And enjoy it both times. Sometimes prayer is something we struggle with in our spirit. But it's very, very important to the house of God. It's very important to the things of God. I'm looking forward to it. But tonight is October, the last day of October of 2021. Can you believe that? That we are finishing up. We have November, just two more months of 2021. It seems like it just got here. I remember, I remember getting up on Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning of 2021. I said, my goodness, aren't you glad we're out of 2020? And then I said, if anyone got saved or baptized or discipled in 2020, stand up. About 70 adults stood up. I thought, well, it was a bad year for everybody else. It was a good year for you. <laughs> and it was the year that God saved you, brought you to the Lord. And God was very gracious to us in 2020 and certainly gracious to us in 2021. But um, this last month that we've been speaking about committed to getting the gospel out, committed to soul winning. And the blessings of a soul winning church, I believe that God wants every church to be a soul winning church. If that's the case, he wants every Christian to be a soul winning Christian. We all ought to be always about soul patrol. I'm thankful for soul winning times, and I think it's very good to do it. But quite frankly, you need to be witnessing the way. I need to be witnessing the way. Wherever you go, be on soul patrol, looking for someone that God is looking for. And there are many blessings to a soul-winning church. 
It has an unexplainable and undescribable blessing to its community. I believe with all my heart, Ham, Indiana is a better place because God put a soul-winning church right in the middle of this town 135 years ago. Every place are soul winners. Uh, Satan's going to fight, but it's going to be a blessing to that community. It's a place where the ripest Christians begin to flourish. I think people who grow, they'll grow especially in a place where souls are being saved. It's a place where the youngest surrender to salvation and surrendering to the work of the Lord. I think it's a soul-winning church. There are many churches, they just go down deep and they come up dry. They've just come to a place where they just feed off each other rather than reach the world with the gospel. I think a church that does that, and I, it's not going to be easy. You have to, as a pastor, we have to keep the pedal to the metal. Sunday school teacher, deacon, you have to keep the pedal to the metal, making sure we evangelize the lost and edify the saved. I want everybody, I think everybody ought to try to be, ask God to help you win someone to Christ, to disciple someone to spiritual maturity. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It won't be done on spare time and pocket change. Every, everybody ought to say, Lord, give me somebody I can invest in spiritual ways. And you'll have to be spiritual to do that. You have to be sacrificial to do it. You'll need to be soul conscious to do it. You'll need to be spirit filled to do it. You'll need to be scripture filled. And a scriptural Christian, if you're going to help somebody else, you don't produce what you want, you produce what you are. If you're a strong Christian, you'll produce other strong Christians. If you're spirit filled, you're going to probably find people who are spirit filled want to talk with you and want to seek help from you. These are things that God wants for us. He gave us the Great Commission. And the church's job is to protect and to propagate the gospel of Christ. And if it's the church's job, that means it's my job and your job the same. And Jesus' last command should be our first priority. And we just now read in Acts chapter 1. And by the way, other, other wonderful things about a local church. It's a place where the main, it's a main supply. A soul winning church is a place where people are being produced as leaders in the gospel ministry. And that's one thing I've always admired about First Baptist Church of Hammond. It's not a perfect church. We've got the biggest room in this church is not this auditorium. It's a room for improvement. A lot of things we need to make better. But I will tell you, soul-winning churches are churches where leaders are developed. And this is where servants of God are, 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 are developed. And I'm glad to be a part of that, and I want to be a part of it. But to be a part of that, I need to be a soul winner, and you, you do need to be as well. But what are the necessities? Those are the benefits. What are the necessities of being a soul winner personally and corporately as a church? Look, if you would, please, at Acts chapter 1. This is the, the first book of Acts, and Jesus is uh, going back to heaven. And uh, the first verse talks about the former treaties, speaking of the book of Luke. Have I made, O Theophilus, the lover of God, of all that Jesus began to both do and to teach. Just, I just kind of just gave a thumbnail sketch of what Jesus did, the beginning and what he did, until the day in which he was taken up out of, uh, after that he had, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. By the way, were they suggestions or commandments? No, he gave them commandments. Verse number three, to whom? Also, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, we'll tell you those. Seen of them 40 days, and speaking of those things pertain to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait. 
for the promise of the Father, which he saith, ye have heard of me. Speaking of the Holy Spirit of God, and of course he references what John said, you know, you baptize with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Look at verse number eight, if you would please. And But ye shall receive power. We heard about that today a little bit through the preaching and the challenge of um, of our dear brother, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The necessity of a soul winning church, number one, is a reliance on the Holy Spirit of God. You know, one of the things, the shortcuts to being effective soul winners is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you and I can let the Holy Spirit of God control us, he is going to lead us to do things, to speak to people, to help people that you would never do in a thousand lifetimes in your own ability. I think every day and years ago, we were challenged to pray seven times a day, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Why would you want that? Well, certainly, someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When I walk in the Spirit, then I'm not a flesh-filled Christian. I'm not going to be prone to do the fleshly things. But also, here in this passage of Scripture, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a talker. I'm going to be talking about people, uh, talking to others about the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles real quickly and look to chapter 4, verse 31. We've read it one time, but I want you to see it again if we can. Chapter 4 and verse number 31. But I want you to back up to 29, if you would. The Bible says in chapter 4, verse 29, Now, the Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant to thy servants that we with all boldness, I'm sorry, that, that uh, with all boldness they may do what? He said, I want you to grant to your servants boldness that they can speak. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and the wonders that may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. Now verse 31, read it with me out loud, would you please? And when they had the place that was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they, what was, the, what was the outcome of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, according to that verse? There was bold speaking, a quick ready to witness, a witness to tell folks. One of our biggest challenges for being a soul winner is fear. How many of you struggle with fear from some time? I'll put both of my hands up. I don't know why, but I get nervous. I get nervous, especially if someone is a little bit religious or someone is a maybe major religious or rich or, or looks like they got it together. I get more nervous. I don't like getting rejected. And there's a fear that comes up. And you know what cancels that fear? The Holy Spirit's fullness. And you know how, what, what did they do? They got the Holy Spirit's fullness. They prayed. When they prayed, the place was shaken. It was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake with boldness. I think if we're going to be a soul-winning church, and you're going to be a soul-winning Christian, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Say, Pastor, I've heard this since I was a kid. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Do your kids have a spirit-filled dad? Does your spouse have a spirit-filled spouse? Do your grandkids have a spirit-filled grandparent? Is that what they're going to remember about you? They're going to remember that you're a Cubs fan? Or are they going to remember that you are spirit-filled? And it's not, it's not, God doesn't have a, no one has a monopoly on the Spirit of God. You can be as close to God as you and I want to be. And I, and I think through prayer, the Spirit of God fills us, and then we can have boldness to speak the things we ought to speak. Some of us, we have lockjaw when it comes to witnessing. It's not because the power of God's not in the witnessing. It's there. It's because we're afraid. 
We don't have the Holy Spirit's power. I want you to pray for me about that. I'm going to pray for you. One of the reasons I want prayer, I think, to be more of a priority, and I think God has very strategically allowed us to have this month of November and focus on prayer, because I think prayer brings power. Prayer brings the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus talked to us in the book of Luke about asking the Father for prayer. He said, if, if, a, if, a, if a son asks his dad for a, a, a piece of bread, will he give him a rock? If he asks him for an egg, will he give him a snake, a serpent? No, any good father would be glad to meet the need of their child. And if you ask the Heavenly Father for his spirit to control you, oh, he's ready to do that. It's not, it's not hide and go seek. It's a God who is ready to fill us with his spirit. And then the souls of men are an outcome of that. Let's look at another thing I think that, that we need for a Holy Spirit filled, and excuse me, for a soul winning church, is that we mean the magnification of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you look at chapter 4, verse number 10, 11, and 12? We need to magnify the person of Jesus. Your pastor, I'm not, a, I'm not very good at this, but I try on each service to remind us about Jesus. I try to remind myself before I come out here to this platform that this service is not about John Wilkerson, not about our program, not about what's happening. Now, those are all things that go with the territory. Every pastor has three jobs. Number one, and first of all, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, spiritual leader, they're watching for your souls. They're trying to, uh, the pastors that I have had influence in me, they were shaping my soul. They're shaping my thinking, my feelings, and my desires to coincide with the scriptures and God's will for my life. It's what a pastor does. It's what a preacher does. It's what a teacher does. They're watching for your souls. They're trying to get you and I to think like Jesus, to feel like Jesus feels, and to desire what Jesus wants to. That's, that's why we submit ourselves to our spiritual leaders. Because they're watching for how we think, how we feel, and what we want. These are important things, and, and God wants us to think about those things. But one of the things that every church service, and when we come together, we want to focus on the person of Jesus. Because a pastor, uh, his job, and assistant pastors, ha they have responsibility with programs. The marriage retreat, it's a program. It's a program. And his program is, is for people. And it's, it's getting people in a biblical philosophy. There's a lot of stinking thinking going on here for 54 years. There's a lot of stinking thinking going on in you about marriage, about truth, about what the world says and what people say. You ever heard someone say, oh, man, you've got to learn to love yourself. That's not a Bible verse. You don't have to learn to do that. You already know how to do that. You know, there's a lot of things that we believe that we just heard it somewhere and we believe it that's not true to the Scriptures. But we have a biblical philosophy. These come from the Word of God. Then you matter most, and then the programs serve the people, and the property serves the programs that serve the people that serve a biblical philosophy. But a pastor's job is to oversee the programs. A pastor's job is to pastor the people. And a pastor's God is to proclaim, proclaim God's Word. But part of that is watching for our souls and helping us. One of the things we want to do in a church service, we want to draw people's attention to the name of Jesus, to the person of Jesus. Because that's why we gathered. You didn't gather here for John Wilkerson. If you did, that was a very sorry reason to do it. 
And I thank God for spiritual leaders in my life, but you've got to make sure you understand that they're only there because Jesus put them there. And Jesus needs to be paramount in your conversation, your thoughts, and certainly in a church service. And he, he said, we need to be magnifying the person of Christ when you give out a gospel track. And I hope you are giving out gospel tracks. And I, and I don't always do this effectively, but I try to tell people, listen, this, this is, tells you a little about our church. Man, I'd love to have you come to our church. But this tells us from the Bible how we can have eternal life through the person of Jesus Christ. This is what Christ can do for us. And I think there's power in the person and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to speak about it. And there needs to be a magnification of him because it is he who had all power given to him. It's his plan. It's his sacrifice. It's his interest to get people the gospel. Every once in a while, I hear a missionary, and I believe in this. Well, we just, I just love the people of my country. You know, really, the truth of the matter is, you don't go because you love people of your country. I have a sweet friend of mine who was a missionary. He used to say that. Until the people of his country took advantage of his daughter and hurt her deeply. And all of a sudden, he got, instead of a love for the people of his country, he got angry with them. And God had to deal with him and say, you know what? Is this why you came? Because you love these people so much? When he had to work his daughter through the painful challenges of that, he had to remind himself, you know, I didn't come here because I love these people. I came here because God loved these people. I came here for Christ. I came in for him. You know, every soul-winning church, number one, needs a reliance on the Holy Spirit. Number two, we need a concentration on the person of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse number 10. The Bible says, and it be known unto you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of who? Of Nazareth, whom ye have crucified, whom God raised him from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. He's reminding them. In verse number 12, read it with me out loud together. Neither is there salvation in any other. Given among men, whereby we must be saved. That's a good verse to underline in your Bible. If you haven't had the underline already, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. What is the necessity of a soul-winning church? A reliance on the Holy Spirit. A sensitivity to God's Spirit. Nobody gets saved without the Spirit of God being there. You can give someone the gospel as clear as you could ever give them, and they don't get saved because of your presentation. They'll get saved because the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He has to be on the other side of that presentation. He has to be there. And we must rely upon the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, we must magnify the person of Jesus Christ. Number three, I'd like to remind us of our emphasis on personal holiness. Let's take our, our Bible. This is the last verse we'll look at. But let's go to, to uh, Psalm 51. Someone tell me who you think wrote Psalm 51? King David. He wrote it after a very gruesome, difficult, tragic time in his life. Psalm 32 tells us kind of what he was going through after he was sinned with Bathsheba. It tells us a little bit of what he was going through. He was, un he was like an aging man waxing old in his bones while he waited to be found out. And finally, Nathan put his long finger in his face and said, you're the man. It's you that sinned. And he, unlike uh, his counterpart and his predecessor, Saul, who said, okay, I've sinned, but honor me now. By the way, when you do something wrong, don't take it lightly. Don't say, oh, come on, man, you're getting serious. Why do you have to do this to me? 
That's, that's Saul. Saul said, okay, all right, all right, all right. Shouldn't have done that, but hey, don't get crazy on me. You don't have to take away the kingdom. I've sinned, but honor me now. But David turned the, turned the other way. He said, you know what? I am wrong. I, my sin is ever before me. So that, it's right here. I see it. And there's no one to blame but me. But the quicker you can get to a place of confession and repentance, the better off you are for the long haul. But whenever he sinned, notice what he says in chapter 51 of Psalm, or Psalm 51, verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So after he had sinned, and you can see all the things he asked for, and he states, verses 1 through 9, for sake of time, will not go there. He said, Lord, clean my heart and renew my attitude. Change my attitude. Number 11, cast me not away from thy presence. Lord, don't, don't take away your presence from me and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I want to know what it's like to have your Holy Spirit upon my life. Verse number 12. Restore unto me the joy of thou salvation. Does it say restore unto me salvation? No. Restore unto me what? Joy. The joy of the Lord is our, yeah, the joy of being saved. Well, when you get away from the joy of being saved, you'll become fruitless, nearsighted, and you'll fall. That's why it's so important to rejoice in your salvation. He said, Lord, give me the joy of being saved again. And uphold me with thy Free spirit. Now, verse 13. Here's the verse I want you to read with me. Are you ready? Everyone. Then will I... What does a church need to be a soul-winning church? Well, I think we definitely need prayer. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. We certainly need that. We need opportunities to share the gospel, and I think we have those if we'll be spirit-filled. But we need the Holy Spirit's resting upon our heart and life. We desperately need a magnification of the person of Jesus Christ. And we need a holy life. The wicked flee when no man pursue it, but the righteous are. You know what you need to be a good witness? You need some boldness. You know what will take away your boldness real quickly? Sin. When you got your head and you're texting someone you shouldn't text, you're, you're observing something you shouldn't, you shouldn't observe, you're thinking things you shouldn't think, you've got your mind in the gutter, you're not going to be a bold witness for Christ. No, he said, look, when you get this settled, then will I convert sinners. Then will I lead people to Christ. Three things, I'll give four things. Number one, a reliance on the Holy Spirit of God. A magnification of the per person of Jesus Christ. A holy life and prayer. Those, three, three, those four things, I think if we could get those in our hearts and lives, we would have a revival of people coming to Christ through me and through you.